0: Trying to get people, a sh- like, 40 or 50 people working again on track. Like, dude. Okay. Uh, progress. Progress. Pro. Oh. Oh. Cheers. Cheers. Feels like there's a lot of, um... Um pressure building in the radia- in the rad system and that could be, be because something anyways that's what i'm trying to learn about right now but could be creating that pressure front like there could be a lot of pressure building from someplace else my concern is they put the wrong rad in but the wrong rad well who knows like because they did or they ordered it from europe because they couldn't get any of the ones from here to fit like they ordered a bunch of different ones so you just get i just get like worried then that they just got one that fit and put it in. You know, I get my mind starts to race. But I, as I was reading some things, I'm like, ah, it could be the reason why the other rad, like, there could be another issue. So maybe the, the other rad was leaking. I could see the fluid coming out of it, and it was pouring all over. So that wasn't sustainable. So I had to change the rad. My concern is I'm going to blow another one unless I fix whatever the other problem is. So the car's driving great. It's just, it's still leaking fluid. And when you test the system, it doesn't. But then it builds pressure, and I think it's bleeding it out of the of the extra because there's too much pressure.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Anyways,
0: I'm not so we still we're not at the root of it yet, but this is some of the joys of driving a 30 year old car.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's a... but I just uh, road
0: tripped it to Guelph. Anyways, this time we should get into this. Yeah.
1: No, I feel like that's a that's a, a perfect a perfect intro to our first episode, and. Um, talking about the uh, trials and tribulations of owning an old vehicle, but more importantly, how you even got one in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so welcome to episode one of The Bucket Seat. Uh, I'm Trevor Byrne. Uh, I'm going to be the, uh, I guess, the ongoing host and curator of this beautiful this beautiful thing that we're going to call the, the Bucket Seat Podcast. Um, and for my first episode, I have a uh, a very good friend of mine, very dear friend of mine, Josh Hansen, um, here that I, I hope becomes a, a regular occurrence on the on the, the podcast. Um, someone who's worked, um, you know, both of us actually have worked in the in the automotive space from both marketing and kind of an advertising standpoint for a long time, um, uh, both massive car lovers and enthusiasts, uh, you know, tinkerers in a lot of ways. We're definitely not, um, we're definitely not huge on wrenching, but, uh, we do like to get in there and, and, uh, and mess around as much as we can and try to learn. I think that's the most important thing. Um, but, um, yeah, so the, the bucket seat podcast, it was first episode, um, I guess I'll, um, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Josh, and just kind of figure out um, what it is that, uh, that you have to talk about tonight. Uh, I think it's fascinating in terms of what you've got and if you could kind of explain to us what you know the, your vehicle is um, and, um, and what it is that, um, that you've done, I guess, to, to get it here in terms of, you know, I guess, the rest of the episode. Uh, most importantly to start, though, I guess tell us what, uh, what you're driving right now.
0: Um, right now, uh, I daily drive a 1988 BMW 325i. It's the touring body, which makes it a bit unique in North America as that particular model was never sold here. Obviously lots of 325is, E30s, um, but this particular body style wasn't sold in North America.
1: Right. And we all have a lot of love for wagons.
0: For sure. The first car was a wagon. This car a wagon probably keep the theme going
1: right um and there's something special about the e30 touring in Mm. particular i think from a design i guess genesis
0: um maybe you could kind of share that as well it's really interesting yeah it's neat i think the um, whether it's in part myth or not um regardless the the story goes and i think there's actually a youtube video on that uh, a few people pointed to during the while i was getting the car Um, But yeah, story has it that a German engineer um, who worked uh, at BMW, his daughter was a downhill skier and driving her to the mountains every weekend was always a problem with the sedan, couldn't get her skis to fit. Um, So he actually himself at home modified a uh, um, uh, his own sedan, basically extended the roof uh, and then took the same pillar uh, and just essentially moved it back which is why on the E32 you have this sort of weird—they call it the the twenty um, the beer case hatch because the rear tailgate, while it's a full normal like wagon tailgate, the rear the the rear headlight assembly inserts the same way it would in the sedan, so you get this weird case of this like cutout uh, in what is otherwise uh, a wagon tailgate. So it's just kind of a, an interesting, unique feature of the car.
1: That's really cool. I um, yeah, I've, I fell in love with that car when I saw it. There's something about it that's just so classic um you know I, I hate the word timeless but mm. you know it is and I, I think you've you've always said that when you drive that vehicle around uh it's it's remarkable how noticed it is mm. uh how many people have so much love for that car I and mean, people un, unassuming people that have a lot of love for that car as well um so it's got to be a pretty gratifying
0: own, ownership experience It's just, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a nice combination of really fun to drive, um, really nice driving characteristics and really fun to drive in the sense of the car has, it's has a personality, um, and an aesthetic that is unto itself. And that just like that combination of, excuse me, of, um, of both form and function kind of coming together is really part of what's really, I love about cars. I'm less of the mechanical side and more of the experience side.
1: Right. Right. Um, so I think what I want to kind of focus on with this is the um, is the process, because it's not an easy car to find. Um, no. And when you do find them, you know, they're in various states of disarray. And especially in Canada, they've been rusted. Um, any of the you know, the owners that have driven them through the winters, I mean, they've just taken their licks. It's, it's not mm-hmm. a it's not a, uh, a new vehicle by any means. So um, I'd love it if you could kind of help explain how you found the vehicle, um, where you found the vehicle, and um, and 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 I guess you know when you when you found it, what it was about this one in particular that was so special. Uh-uh.
0: Um, I had been pointed to a website by a friend of mine um, because of another car, not particularly this one. Um, bring a trailer uh, and started following the auctions because I was looking for a car of this era of this type. I had kind of looked at uh, a few different BMW wagons before. Was kind of hung up. Just a looking for a car with a driving characteristics, something interesting, something of that era, and it's hard to ignore. So. Sort of, what was going on with BMW at that time Particularly in the 3 Series So just It, it seemed to match this of uh, Life stage And utility I have a wagon I, I haul I had a wagon before I haul a lot of stuff around regularly Right um, So I needed the shape But I wanted something really fun to drive Anyways um, This car came up And was available for auction And it just like it Had a great um, It just had one of those stories connected with it And they present the vehicles really well um, of someone who had done a few things just essentially to prepare it for sale. And I always appreciate the sort of like anyone who's put some effort into not just selling a vehicle, but presenting it in a way that like obviously been prepared for sale. Um, so decided I was going to bid on it again, because it was at the, at the auction site.
1: Right. And um, yeah, we won't go too uh, too deep into what Bring a Trailer is. I think anybody who's listening, you know, encourage them to go check it out. It's fascinating fall into the Bring a Trailer hole any day of the week.
0: and Yeah, they've
1: really blown up. Again,
0: since the day that, like, I was it was within, so the first, um, not the first vehicle, but certainly for early days of Bring a Trailer, within the first 50 vehicles, I believe. Um, so the That's amazing. Yeah, it's grown a lot from that point. Yeah, and I mean, that was, how long ago was it when you actually purchased the just vehicle? Just over a year ago. Last yeah. November,
1: December? December, pardon me. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: So, just over a year. Right, so... Um, got the car. Yeah, got the car. I think before we do the one last thing that I'll touch on with bring a trailer, I think there's something special oh. about um about how that transaction transpired and what about the auction. I think in this case was really
0: particularly unique. Yeah, it was so. Um, had to bid on the car. Was going through the bidding process. Came coming right down to the end. Was essentially bit Well, was at this point bidding against one other person. Um. They said it's yours, uh, and then Bring a Trailer started bidding, actually against me for the vehicle. They entered. They entered right near the end. I'm not sure if they were in the last, if they were the if they entered after the last one. Anyways, bid against me a few times, um, and then a bit of a narrative again started between a couple of the Bring a Trailer folks, which was, f- and also everyone else on the auction because they were kind of like wondering if that was fair game, whether yeah. it was okay for people actually yeah. running the auction to bid. Again, completely transparently. Um, I, it didn't blow me away. I'd been in enough auctions with my dad when I was younger, where seeing people at the auction house, people run the auction bidding on animals. Again, it's all full, fully transparent. So right. it didn't really blow me away. Um, there was a great conversation about it afterwards. Again, they had thought they might want to buy it for a vehicle for themselves because they have their own operations, rip around their area. I guess Southern California, take parts around, whatever it is they do, <laughs> yeah. live the life, yeah. of the canyons. Sounds great. Love California. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so totally cool. I got the vehicle, um, and then from that point, it was essentially just being connected with the seller. Yeah. Okay. So that's their yeah. their, their role ends right at that point. Yeah. So they're they're done
1: with it. Um, you know. I would say a lot of respect to the Bring a Trailer guys. Check it out. Um, follow some of those auctions. Buy a car from them. Uh, they typically are pretty good. Uh, nice specimens. Through them. Yeah, <clears> through yeah, them. Um, okay, so the vehicle uh, has, you know, sorry, the auctions ended. The vehicle's yours now, uh, or technically yours. Mm. You you've 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 formally purchased the vehicle, uh, in terms of, I've committed to buy it. Right. You've exchanged cash in some way, shape, or form. Oh, I purchased it. Yep, Perfect. Paid for it. Connected with the dealer, bought it. Right. Okay. So, so now maybe explain, I mean, where was the vehicle? And, um, and when you'd connected with the, the seller, I think there's something interesting about him as well. He'd had some history with the brand, you know, with BMWs, with
0: E30s in particular. So maybe explain a bit of that. Uh, Yeah, so the seller was uh, in the U.S., which actually there's probably a bit of backstory necessary with the idea of buying a vehicle. It was an American Mm -hmm. auction site Mm -hmm. and what the car was in the U.S. Absolutely. Um, So obviously some complication there. Um, but yeah, the guy who I bought it from, around the same age, from the US, uh, and had a bunch of cars, several E30s, uh, an M3 that he tracked, uh, another sedan that he daily drove, this wagon, he had one of the, uh, one of the early M, the sort of predator, uh, M, M5 cars, the like 535M, it wasn't actually an M5 at that point yet. Um, anyways, one of the 1st M in-project cars. He had one of those as well. I think his wife drove an X3. So they had a lot, which is why he decided to sort of, like, sell a few of them. Um, okay, they yeah. were, their family was growing. Uh, but, yeah, he was fantastic. So part of the research before buying the car was getting it back to Canada, mm-hmm. obviously, because mm-hmm. I knew it was in the U.S. and Kansas. Right. Um, and so
1: that's, that, I mean, historically for most Canadians has, has, has I think there's a lot of, Maybe there's some myth around uh, the difficulties and the trials and tribulations associated with bringing a car from the U.S. into Canada – I mean, on the new side, it's a totally different story. Entirely you know? different. Uh, but um, when you're talking about a vehicle that has a few years on it or a few
0: years behind it. It gets easier, actually, in some okay. ways. Okay. So depending on the age. Of the, uh, in Canada, they're actually quite generous with our importation laws. It's 15 years after 15 years. Right. Um, the do, Americans hate that.
1: They hate Yeah, because it's 25 <laughs> in the U.S., <laughs> yeah. which is actually
0: interesting. I got this car, well, because it's like, what, 27, 28 years old now. Yeah. Um, there, are, there definitely are some of them in Canada, West Coast. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a car in Toronto from Calgary actually was interesting. Anyways, um, yeah, so uh, the car was in the US, so it was fairly simple to bring back. I didn't have to pay uh, any duties, um, uh, excuse me, um, no auto-packed implications particularly because Again, it's not like I was trying to buy, bring an American-built car into Canada when there's all sorts of other levies and taxes, and it's quite more right. complicated. I just, I essentially had, had to only pay tax on the sale okay. um, because so of just the age the, of the car. The
1: sale, or sorry, uh, taxes on tax the, on the sale purchase price.
0: price, exactly. Okay, uh, but just like you would bringing anything back from the U.S. Right. Um, um. But obviously, I had to get it back here, so investigated trailering it, um, mm-hmm. which was quite mm-hmm. expensive. Um. Again, just looking into importation details. Other than the fact that because it is a European uh, E thirty, obviously there were lots of E thirties um, built and sold in North America, but because this body type wasn't, this is a Euro spec. It had a slightly complicated VIN because of the age and the fact it was a European built car. So right, and
1: and sorry with the the with the European European spec destined
0: vehicle Euro spec, yeah, yeah,
1: right. Um, because I don't think that the the E30 Touring in any capacity was ever sold in the U.S., was it? No, 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 no E30 Touring. So this vehicle, the original owner had brought it from Europe at
0: some point into the U.S.? No, it had been imported by the guy I bought it off. Okay. So, yeah, no, it had been, um, it was originally German, spent quite a bit of its time in Belgium, imported into the U.S., then I purchased it and brought it into Canada. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: I, I love that. Part of the story too, because of the rarity now of the vehicle. I mean, they just you, you don't see them around simply because of the difficulty of the origin of the vehicle and where it was ever sold or not sold.
0: Yeah, exactly. Makes it yes, slightly more rare just because of that. Very
1: cool. Um, so, okay. there's a couple
0: other in the city though.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I've, I've seen a bunch of them yeah. driving around. I love it. I mean, I feel like every time I see one of them, I've kind of got kind of to give them the wave. Like, I, I, no, I, know, no. I know what you went through to get this, <laughs> so, unless you got lucky. So, okay, so um, vehicles in Can- well, in Kansas still yep. at this point, um, you'd explored putting it on a trailer, um, I mean, hence...
0: Before buying a- it, yeah, right. so I'd looked into before buying it, spoken, um, looked into the imp- what paperwork was necessary for importation, um, if the vehicle would be able to be licensed in Canada, because there are certain restricted vehicles that can't be licensed... Um, so I did all that sort of pre investigation beforehand. um I have to say, the resources of the government of Canada um, transport uh leave a message they called back with answers. The really? details on the website were really straightforward and simple. It's, it's, your, kind, it's kind of unbelievable when you when, when
1: we've dealt with um, a lot of different fair. provincial and governmental fair. bodies I,
0: I, it was one of the I, the only I, the point I would add in support of the GOC um, there's surprisingly more information available online on a whole variety of topics if you're willing to spend the time again I was interested in spending the time <laughs> right and, and I dig did around make, I did and I did make the phone call so that made it fairly straightforward um a few, a few hiccups, slightly on the U.S. side, as they had changed their policies shortly um, before I imported the vehicle. Um, previously, as an individual, you could actually do the um, what's it called when you bring it across the border? The bro- uh, Brokering. Thank broker. Thank yeah, you, Absolutely, absolutely, okay. you could um, by simply faxing paperwork. Um, Sorry, you'd, you'd fax paperwork to the border crossing that you're yeah, intending on. Exactly, on crossing it, right? but you no longer can you do it as an individual. You actually do have to hire a brokerage firm. So, despite the fact that I'd filled out the forms and sent them in, I found out you had to use a brokerage. So firm. Now, so I did that. Is
1: that a is that uh, is that an American broker or is that a Canadian broker?
0: It really doesn't matter. It's okay, a broker for yeah. You just need side. someone to do it. No, I suppose it does actually have to be a Canadian. I shouldn't speak out of turn because I had to pick up. I got the paperwork from them before. I crossed, or maybe it could have been an American because I could have picked up that side. Honestly, I don't know that it matters. Okay, yeah. Um, I went through a Canadian one. Um, I flew yeah. down um, to Windsor. Oh yeah. So I should actually I should finish the, but that's getting one step ahead. So paperwork sorted, got a brokerage firm. It's very straightforward. Right. So you're so
1: and and basically what you had done was um, you know so you'd use these the government sites. You knew exactly what the. Um, the regulations were, you knew the paperwork that was required in order to bring a vehicle across, especially of that I'd age. i investigated insurance. Right. You have your bro- the broker on your side. Right. You knew what, you, what was needed for you to bring the vehicle across from an insurance perspective. Um, so take it from there. So now what's next?
0: Um, so at this point, I have all the details. I've now purchased the cars because I knew it could be imported. I knew I could insure it. Um, and I. So everything was good to go. I've purchased the car. At this point, it's sort of deciding how I'm going to get it here by, by trailer. Um, at this point, again, the, the wonderful people you meet and sort of the validating, um, one of the most validating parts of the purchase was the guy who sold it to me, volunteered. He was in Kansas uh, to drive it up to Detroit, uh, where I would pick it up from him and drive it back to Toronto. So a great validation of his confidence in the vehicle and, the, and what he was selling. Great. Um And also just a great chance to actually meet the seller in person. Um, so we did that. He stayed... Uh, Overnight in Detroit to fly back the next day. I flew down to Windsor, popped across the border, met him, got the vehicle, uh, and then just proceeded to bring it back. We got it validated on the US side to ensure that it hadn't been stolen with the necessary paperwork, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, brought it to the Canadian side, had the vehicle inspected, paperwork certified, paid the taxes, and then drove back to Toronto. Wow. That's it. I mean, you make it sound really simple, but I think if you
1: the moral of of that portion of the story is that if you're prepared you've done your homework which is in your case and what you're explaining very easy to do because you know all the resources that you need are you know kind of at your fingertips as long as you're
0: ready to to invest the time to to look at it it's so, like it's like anything there were hiccups along the way, new pieces of information learned complications again, the fact that it's a it's an obscure vin for North American computer systems to absorb um even for b m w north America's systems to absorb its comp so complications came up along the way, but such but, is life. like and, and uh,
1: it wasn't – none of them were catastrophic. None of them stopped you from crossing the border. Not,
0: none of them were – none of them didn't raise another problem that just had to be resolved um, and a little bit of right. due diligence. It's really – yeah, it really wasn't that complicated. Now, things can any, – any border crossing, complica- unforeseen complications can come up. Much more benign crossings have been held for much longer. So right. – Right it's important to remember any international border can be a complication, and you really at that point are sort of at the whim of those who are conducting affairs. This is really straightforward. I got an off time there was very little people. The wait time wasn't too long right. um and it really just led to a neat drive back and getting to know the car a little bit i mean i
1: i i love I love hearing that, and I don't know if it's you know if it's just serendipitous that it happened that way, but yeah you know, i i have heard i've read many you know horror stories oh, yeah. of of people spending ridiculous amounts of time at the border days on end sometimes waiting for other paperwork to clear or you know, I, I, a variety of different scenarios that... Um, there is that one complicate. gray area,
0: and that was over li- having a license, because you can get a temporary license on a purchased vehicle, but that vehicle has to have been registered in the province of Ontario before. And because I was importing the vehicle, I couldn't get that. So I had to use the plates from my other car, which I just flew down with, and then put them on this car and drove it back. Now... That's fine once you're in the province of Ontario. In a lot of ways, you have like a 15-day period to use your plates if you've purchased another vehicle. So there wasn't a complication there. But again, this is where the international border gets difficult because those plates technically are registered to a different vehicle. They're registered to me, which is of the utmost importance. So the fact that those plates, any plates, are not registered to a vehicle. They're registered to an individual. right. But then no one to a certain vehicle. So if they search the plates, when they confirm my name, they know the plates are registered to me. The fact that we're on a different vehicle only confirms the fact that, again, that I've gone through some transaction. So reflectively, it's not really that big a deal. But that's the one kind of great, like, if, if you wanted, if people wanted to give you trouble, um, that would be a way either on either, on police on either side or customs. That's a place they probably could give you a hard time because I'm not entirely sure of the legality of it. Um, but it's also incredibly innocent and benign. And when you consider the fact that the plates are licensed to me that I don't run, if I was running a used car sales operation or something that might be more suspect, cause I'm trying to sneak a vehicle in essentially. But other than that, I think it's fairly benign. So,
1: yeah, I think that, but it is a gray area. Sure. I, I mean, with that, um, I think I think that the, the thing not to, um, dismiss though is that you did have insurance on that vehicle though as you'd come through
0: again because i as anyone often if you check with your insurance company when you purchase a new vehicle i let them know that i was going through this whole procedure so um uh that was fine but yeah again when anyone purchases a new vehicle there is there are periods of leniency that is important to understand in these in these sort of like in between moments that uh again if if anyone didn't know before it's definitely worth investigating contact anyone you need you but yeah it is a it is being insurance company or regulators within your yeah, area, I mean, yeah. That, that's
1: that's something that I think is um, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's important to the story as well is there are a lot of insurance companies that will not go anywhere near old vehicles especially an old vehicle with a, an a very particular history or difficult to track history. Like I did have to go through a couple
0: of different insurance companies. Yeah. And so who
1: did you, so who did you end up with? Because I know there was, I mean, I've always looked at it and there are a couple of companies who specialize in classic or vintage or historic Mm -hmm. vehicles. Uh, But there are some really, I guess there are really strict Mm -hmm. regulations from their perspective on how much you can drive the vehicle where the vehicle has to be parked, uh, under what conditions the vehicle is parked in. Um, And even some, you know, um, I think there's a lot of security. um, I don't know what the right word would be for it, but... There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of concern around the security of the vehicle and the value of it if it can be stolen easily because in older vehicles it's so much easier to to, yeah. to steal them essentially. So, um, what what was the insurance company that you ended up going with? Um, and was it easy with them or difficult with them? Kind of how did that? It work? was
0: pretty straightforward. I went through a couple. I tried uh, my existing insurance company, TD Monix who had been awesome. They've been great to deal with. They wouldn't insure the car. Um, I don't entirely remember the reason, but they were great. I was disappointed to let them know that I'd probably have to leave them. Um, tried some classic cars, specific insurers. Um, did not end up going with them largely because, again, the limitations that you speak of, how the vehicle had to be cab limitation in kilometers. This one may be an interesting and great car to drive, it's not a particularly valuable car. So to go through any of those, like I, I was going to street park it. I drive it daily. I park it in the back of a building. It's not, I don't, there's no, it's not particularly, it's covered in salt at the moment. Um, it's, I don't treat it in any particularly, I, it's a daily driver, um, so they weren't they, they were not interested in that type of relationships. I ended up with CAA because I went through i I'm not sure who the underwriter is, um, but yeah, through CAA they were great to deal with. Super simple. They've been fantastic so far, and so I went through them.
1: Awesome, oh, yeah. CAA saved my ass many a time <laughs> in many different situations. <laughs> not necessarily uh, with insurance, but. Um, Interesting. So CAA, that's, that's, I, I, it's kind of unexpected for some, for some reason, for, some reason, for me to think that CAA insurance company. I didn't actually of...
0: know they offered insurance to be yeah. completely honest with you. And I'm not, I, I do not recall how I ended up getting directed by them. I think it was through a friend who suggested them. Right. Well, you know, what? insurance Regardless. is a really boring topic. Yeah. We don't so... need to spend too much time on it. No. <laughs> um, so, okay.
1: So you're at the border, you've got your, you know, you've got your plate on it that, may or may not be of you know questionable status mm-hmm. at that point but yeah like you said it's a gray area for the plate belongs to the owner not necessarily the vehicle and in this period you're kind of in transition so you're in sorry where was the what was the border crossing that you used again? Detroit Windsor in Detroit Windsor yeah. so uh you know you're in Detroit Windsor you got to make it back to Toronto you've got to be pretty happy at this point that you've made it through officially <clears throat> excuse me and now you've just got this
0: drive ahead of you not the most in, not the most gripping drive of any it's a lot of 400 series <laughs> straight line traffic um yeah. Yeah. but yeah it was great to just sort of spend time in the car like uh, all the buttons are in german it's just it's not it's an E30 so it's not an entirely um unfamiliar environment but it's also um <laughs> that's so. That's our that's our twenty minute timer. Okay, uh, so should we? Uh, no, let, let's finish um, this. Um, yeah, yeah. Start I, the I, question. Yeah. yeah,
1: I'd love to. I'd love to know that. Um, so now you've gotten across the border. Um, you've got this drive from Detroit back to Toronto. You're starting to familiarize yourself with everything inside the vehicle. It's quite
0: foreign in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, But it's got to be a pretty gratifying time. Yeah, it was amazing. It was great to just be in an experience, um, experience the car, see how it drives, see how it felt. Again, I'd bought it over the Internet, so have some understanding of being in the cars that era. I'd never owned an E30 before. It was an adventure from the get-go, and so it was fun to just... It was fun to have the experience validated and have the car actually... Again, it had been on an eight, seven, eight-hour road trip up to me, and it was going in another four-hour one. So to have it that's just... Crazy.
1: That's crazy. That's a big distance. That's for- a
0: road trip for the car. Like to, So that's, a, again, a great validation for the condition right. that the car was in. Yeah, you said, I mean, it's.
1: I think it's a testament to the owner's, um, you know, I guess the the owner's courage, I guess. Uh, no, what's the right... I mean, I'm totally messing this up, but... Um, uh, It's the owner's faith in the vehicle. So I think with him really feeling confident that he can get the vehicle up, what did you say
0: it was 700? 700 K. I don't know exactly what the distance is. Huge, huge I, yeah, he was on a seven, eight hour trip. Yeah.
1: Huge, huge road trip to get up there. Um, and, um, you know, conference inspiring knowing that he was willing to put the vehicle through that to mm-hmm. get it up to you. Um, and now you've got a short trip, you know, in, you know, the grand scheme of things to get you back to Toronto. Um, and with that experience, I feel like you probably learned a lot in that first, you know, hour driving that vehicle. And just probably you just probably wanted to pull over and just take a look at it again. I did definitely pull
0: over and take a look at it. That, I absolutely did that. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's
1: beautiful. Um, so, anyways, um, let's stop there. Um, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I think what we'll do is um, is just kind of find out what where the vehicle is now. Uh, What you had to do to it in order to have it kind of certified, you know, e-test is fine here in Canada, but have it certified, now it's been on the road, what you've done to it, and what your plans are for that vehicle kind of moving forward, Um, and if you do it again. So we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. into it i'll start us up here again i just started reading headfirst anyways okay <laughs> 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 you can answer for yes. mike 100 bucks <laughs> this i love Fucking yes. okay. great.
0: um
1: okay yeah so we're back we got a new beer cheers that's belgian saison it's nice sound like a bunch of fucking assholes <laughs> yeah that was
0: it's exactly
1: what that was um, So let's talk about your. Speaking of a bunch of assholes, how about that E30 touring? Yes. <laughs> um, so now you've got it. You've got it back in Canada. Um, you're enjoying driving it on a regular basis. What um, What do you have to do in order for it to pass
0: the Canadian certification? Um, it needed to have the headlights changed to be able to have daytime running uh, setting. Something slightly confusing there, but anyways, that had to be done. Uh, some brake lines that had been, uh, some nice stainless steel brake lines that had been installed lacked the um, safety certification tag, so those had to be changed. That's a shame. That slightly unnecessary, but I went through a fairly rigorous. Again, I was just I was interested in having it as a daily driver, so I wanted to it to be looked at fairly extensively. So I just changed anything that needed to be. Um those required uh, something to do with the headlight assembly did require a bit of a wait um to get the part from Germany. Um as I'm finding a few things have, have Um given that it is a Euro spec. There are some nuances to the setup that have been um slight challenges. Again, but that's kind of part of the decision of deciding to own a vehicle that is yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's understandable. You're gonna to have to go through
0: a few things, and I don't really think you went through a ton. On it the wasn't vehicle. a big deal. I had to wait a little while, but it was bitterly cold, so I was happy to have the car garaged. It wasn't licensed, so it worked out well. It was able to be garaged. The guys at BMW were awesome. And, and sorry, you went to a, you went to sorry you went to a deal uh, an actual BMW dealer here. I did. I like I had thought about it through. There was a, there's a great place that I had been put in touch with um, for other BMWs. A few other places. The reason I decided to actually go to a BMW. Dealership, as I just thought they would be kind of anal, um, mainly from a like, I'm not sure. I knew I was going to pay more. I have, I don't take it to a dealer. I have a great mechanic. I two great mechanics. I take it to. Um, it was one of those slightly irrational decisions that one makes, but I still feel it was like the the right one in the long run because I've just I've wanted a variety of people to look at it. People who are individual specialists, people who are be- actually the dealership, people who have nothing to do with BMW, but just no cars, regardless, have a few different impressions. Again, because I continue to daily drive it, and I've tried to be fairly preventative. Right. Um, it is worth noting that licensing the vehicle was also pretty straightforward at um, Service Ontario. Um, one piece of paper had been forgotten by the broker, but that was faxed in, so it was fairly easily taken care of. Um yeah, so those things were all fairly straightforward, licensed, right? on the road. And, and
1: I think with the, the dealership, too, there's going to be something really validating about bringing it to a dealership that you know has a lot of history with the brand. Mm. They've seen, you know, young and old cars. So um, I think that made sense. I don't think you have to um, be too concerned. Just the idea of taking things to dealers always feels... Yeah, it's like the point of origin. There's yeah. something,
0: yeah, there's something kind of comfortable about it. And also... Seeming like a terrible idea because you know they bill exorbitantly. But regardless, <laughs> anyways, yes, okay, right,
1: okay. So um, you've gone through the kind of rigor, rigor moral, uh to to get it all uh, safetyed. Now you're
0: driving it. You've been driving it for how long now? Until oh today? yeah, of course. Safety and E tested it. That was fairly straightforward. Yeah. Again, because it was imported, so I didn't get it as part of the sale. Uh, and it's been on the road driving. It's over a year now. Okay, um, in this country. Twenty-seven, and, and, twenty-eight years in total, <laughs> whatever that is. And how has it been? I mean, really. It, so that owner. What is the ownership? Photos. Um, every single. T- the. It has had things that have had to be done. Um, A lot or. To be honest, when you talk like not really, if you consider the age like small things um the fan a fan had to be fixed for the air conditioning to run. the air conditioning blows cold on an eighty eight so wow. yeah. hard to complain. sunroof works um there's part seal it's dried out a little bit um so I could change that, but it doesn't leak It's just if you take it through a car wash, it does, so i stopped doing that since there was a smell leak. but again, that's such a minor and significant thing. Um, The electronics all work. Um, There's been a small... I've had a radiator issue. Swap that out. It's building some unusual pressure. But again, like, it's been... It's been road... It's had some significant road trips. Um, It's been to the eastern townships in Quebec. Like, a good nine-hour drive each way. Um, It's been all over the place. It's been road tripped continually. It's daily driven. Again, little things are coming up. Stuff happens, but... It has really been not not as much as a friends who have two-year-old vehicles. Um, it's got kilometers on it, but nothing exorbitant. Um, and really, the, every time you actually get it and drive it, you forgive it of any of the hardships that it's given you, if any, really. Not that big. Again, my car that was seven-year-old required as much like maintenance in many ways as this vehicle does. So it's been really great to have. Yeah. Um, it's been really a wonderful experience. People love it. It's a, it's just so great to drive. It just it generates wonderful responses from people who know cars and enjoy it because it's fairly unique. People who don't like it because it's just it's a very approachable easy car. And it's just how you feel driving it is fantastic. The driving characteristic, it's so predictable, it's so fun. Um it just immediately feels you feel the driving it's such a felt driving experience that you really don't get Um, you really just don't get enough, many other cars, especially newer cars. Right. I mean, there's,
1: yeah, there's a lot of history there and, and it's such, fuck, it's such a classic, such a classic design. There's something so, so pleasing about it to me too. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of it, but, um, so, okay. So now you've, you've finished up, um, you're getting it, you know, it's been, it was fitted for the road, You've now spent a year driving it. You love it. You've had a, you know, moderate amount of repairs, but nothing
0: really significant. There hasn't been a major investment necessarily. Not yet. yet. Not what I would consider. Yeah, exactly. Not what I I would consider uh, a major investment. Just things that have had to be taken care of. So, okay. So now we're looking at it down the road and
1: we all have hopes, dreams, and aspirations. Yes. But um, what ideally, are you going to do anything to it at this point? Are you going to try to keep it, you know, God forbid you keep it period correct um, one of my you know favorite things to do with a, a beautiful old car like that. Um, but there's also a couple of other avenues that you could go down. Um, to you know, you could do the resto mod kind of, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. To it. But I, I, I'm, I, I feel, I guess I kind of I feel impartial when it comes to what somebody's going to do with a, a car like you know what you have. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of options, but um, in your hands, what do you think will end up
0: happening with it? Um, I'm going to. I would like the mechanicals to be um, showroom fresh. My uh, in a dream state, I'd love to have the mechanicals all just pristine. That doesn't need to be particularly like upgraded. I'll, in In certain places, be nice to have. Some, like I'm fairly OEM, but if there's other parts, it could right. perhaps tweak a little bit. But the intent is really just to bring it back to showroom mechanicals. And then, whatever, whatever, I'm kind of in the whatever patina on the outside. There's been a few annoying events um, <laughs> of just the, the, the rea- realities of daily driving a car in, in downtown in a major city. Um, but I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm kind of into that. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind the outside being dinged up a little bit. It's a solid yeah, body. I agree but, with you. but I would like the mechanicals. That's what I'm looking for. And we're not there yet. I'm going to keep... We're doing it part by part. Um, Do you think you'll do any...
1: yeah, like, would you ever do anything, like, just, you know, no one would really ever necessarily know but you in terms of uh, maybe an upgraded suspension setup or... Suspension, yeah. Maybe another, yeah. you know, a set of, a I set can of nice modernize, wheels and you I, put some nice rubber on it and, you know, really
0: enjoy it even more. Yeah, do yeah. I, is, is, is that a suggestion <laughs> or? No, You know I, it is, you know it is. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I I'm... Wheels. I'm not. As, I could. I would definitely like to spend some money on suspension and put a really nice, comfortable suspension like on system on it. That is. That is. Once the mechanicals of the vehicle are there, then suspension, um, new rubber, hundred percent new wheels. Eh, yeah. I, no, I mean, You've got. You've got two beautiful sets right now. Yeah, it came with two um, area correct, uh, period correct. Uh, wheels wheels for winter, and then I forget the name of the others for summer. Fourteen to fifteen, so they're great. Like again, that I just don't think there's. I'm just not really into spending money on those parts at all, but. Um, well, and I don't think that you really
1: need to either. You're not, not right now. You're not adding a ton of power. There's no really need for more of a contact patch on what you've got. Mm. They, you know, they were designed for that vehicle in that spec um i say just enjoy them
0: yeah i wouldn't all then i would also wouldn't mind putting on a set of like 16s or something like sure that. yeah, yeah. but yeah no it's just not i'm just i think the last time that we talked um i had mentioned a
1: i think it's a motor trend video um and i it's terrible that i can't remember the, the journalist yes name. yes was, yeah 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 working on it um but he you know he really goes after the e30 touring and He tracks it against a modern. Yeah, what did he? uh, Yeah, he tracked it against a modern BMW BMW as well. But um, I mean, you know, talk about the passion. It's just something that's obviously shared, um, especially throughout North America, um, for that for that vehicle. And it's naturally
0: bad. Like its driving characteristics are part of the geometry and balance natural balance of the vehicle. (laughs) There's no computer (laughs) balancing it. It's not which, but and not that there's anything wrong with that. Modern cars are awesome. But what you the driving characteristics it's had were built are built into it. It's essentially what it's like what, what part of what has defined the driving characteristic of BMW and like that's a, it's a great it's a great driving experience for a vehicle that's not necessarily worth so much, but is just a really awesome driving experience. Right. I mean, an ownership experience. Yeah. Except when it's dripping things, but that's part of owning a car that's (laughs) 20 years old. Yeah. But that's part part of the fun. You never know totally
1: what you're going to get. Um, I think that's it. I mean, for me right now, I think that's a perfect place to end it. Um, I, I don't know. I'm such a huge fan of it. I'm really excited to see where that car goes and what you end up doing with it. Um, I'm sure you'll have it for a few years and we'll have a lot of these stories to tell kind of going forward. But, I guess um, I just wanted to, you know, say thanks. Thanks so much for coming in tonight, Josh. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll be a part of this moving forward too, and see on many episodes again. Um, but um, thank you now, very much for having me on the bucket seat. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do more of these. Um, so that's it, episode one. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Um, that's it.